is Rachel. Right. <laughs> and that's Bo. <laughs> oh my god. We're leaving that in. <laughs> Bo? Welcome to the podcast. Who else do we have here today? I'm Spencer. I'm still here as well, but we have a third co-host. Bo is probably speaking up and having her voice heard after she got so riled up about being a Presbyterian as well last time, apparently. Oh, wow. Bless. Yeah, and our other special guest today is Skylar Gudes, who is a local musician here, um, who also is a Bo fan, and Bo is a fan of you as well. Super hardcore Bo fan. I used to, when I first moved to Durham, Rachel used to let me come over to her house and play her piano because I didn't have one. She would be at work and I would come in and Bo would be like, who is this crazy woman making a lot of noise? On the piano. So on the it's piano. the only time the piano ever got played, so I was happy. And I still have it over there. It needs to be tuned. Okay, so this is Neon Boots. It's a 90s country music podcast. And this is the strangest start to an episode that we've had so far. Thank you, Bo. Skylar. Rachel. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your life and love of 90s country music. Oh my god. 90s country music is my life <laughs> and my love. The first cassette tape I ever bought was Reba McIntyre. <laughs> nice. And then I loved Leanne Rhymes. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah. Excited about that. And the Dixie Chicks. I mean, everything. It's yeah. just, it was on the radio growing up. I grew up in rural, small town Virginia, and that was just like the backdrop of mm-hmm. what was going on sonically for me. And we didn't have like cable or anything. We only had like two or three channels on our TV. So like I didn't have, I didn't have access to like like music videos or mm-hmm. anything like that. So it was very much this like special time of music for me where it's like I literally just had the songs that I heard on the radio that I would like sing along with my friends and that was it. At that time were you playing music or thinking about doing music as a profession or it was just kind of like not a at fun all. I mean I was like your friends. Yeah, totally. It was like mm-hmm. middle school, you know, or elementary school, middle school and just like singing along to everything yeah. and dancing and having a great time. I was yeah, absolutely slumber parties and <laughs> yeah totally Spencer do you have any good 90s country slumber party stories <laughs> I do not um, yeah I think I told you this story before I think it might have been like fifth grade and I'm in middle school so we had like our like graduation thing you know that you do like I guess like every school now every time you jump a level and so for us it was like a big deal so we were all like yeah we're, we're cool we're going to middle school or whatever and I remember <laughs> Calling up um, Kicks 96, not 94.7, and requesting Daily Murphy's Out with a Bang to go along with, like, we were going out with yeah, a bang from Lillington Elementary School. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we were really making our mark Here's, there. Like, did they play wow. it for um, I don't think they did. I remember listening oh. for, like, an hour, <laughs> and, like, I got so jaded, because I was like, oh, they just play whatever people call them and ask for. That's not Like, and obviously works. this is, like, something that's really meaningful to me. <laughs> like, why don't they recognize our elementary school class of... Probably 50 kids moving on up out with a bang. Do kids call radio stations and request songs anymore? I don't know why you would. I don't know, but my dad used to call the radio station and get really upset because they would play. (laughs) They played the abridged version of (laughs) Billy Joel's Piano Man. (laughs) You know, like the radio. Yeah, yeah. He would call them and he would be like, I can't believe you didn't. He would like, you know, like you cut out like the two like best 
like verses of this song. It's like one of my earliest childhood memories. <laughs> but dad being really upset. Yeah, you better have that, that hill to die on there. <laughs> wow. Oh god, the kids kids these days are missing out on those fun fun times. Yeah, they just like tweet their requests. Uh, now. Uh, yeah. I feel I, like a grandma saying this shit. I know. <laughs> there well, used to be at least a KNC app where you could like request a song that mm-hmm. way. The only thing I can think about is, is it like Chainsaw Rock they play on like Saturday nights when they're like, if you call in from prison, you know, we'll make sure we play your song. And I don't get that's how cool. that's how that's getting to so many people in <laughs> prison and jail. But yeah, I guess that makes sense because they probably don't have Spotify or like Google Play or YouTube wow. access. Wow, so, that's like yeah. really, I kind of love that. It was, I was listening to it like last weekend and not really listened to it, it was what was on because 88.1 was on and he was like and I'll make sure to press 2 to accept your call because I always will or something like that and I was like whoa so accessible <laughs> yeah so, that is awesome he's like the hero for the incarcerated music lover wow well that conversation took a turn that I was not expecting <laughs> much like every conversation we've ever had on this podcast do we just want to get into the music then let's get into let's it let's get into it I'm going to start this week the song that I chose was Diamond Rio's Norma Jean Riley and I have to say it with emphasis because if you actually listen to the song that doesn't sound like what he is saying it's, mm-hmm. it's something totally different when um, you picked the song I didn't know what song you were talking about because I know the song but I didn't know that's what he was saying yeah so I was like okay, I'm glad okay, I'm okay, cool. the only one I'll look up this song and figure out what which one is I know Diamond Rio so I should know it right no it's like is he saying Norma Jean Riley like there's a lot of extra syllables and extra Ours. Mm-hmm. It's you know, very we, confusing. We talked about karaoke a lot with Phil last week, and I feel like this would be like a great song for karaoke if you knew the melody. Yeah. So you could literally say anything. Whatever you want to say. As long as you had the melody, you would be fine. Like, people are like, oh yeah, that's that's it. That's it. That sounds right. Well, the song came out in 92. It peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart. It was written by Rob Honey, Monty Powell, and Dan Truman. I don't think we've talked about any of those guys before, but Monty Powell was actually roommates with Marty Rowe of Diamond Rio, and he was a big songwriter, wrote songs for Tim McGraw, Billy Ray Cyrus, a bunch of other folks. So I went down this hole, this deep hole about Diamond Rio, because as we were talking about before we started recording, because we were listening to these songs pre-internet age, usually we only knew whatever they told us on the radio about the band Mm -hmm. or whatever we could read in the liner notes of the CD or the cassette. So I thought that this stuff was kind of fun. Diamond Rio was founded in 1982 as an attraction for Opryland. Did you know that? No. I only knew that because I read Wikipedia on this last night. Okay. (laughs) But did did it surprise you when you read that? I thought that it was really Um, interesting. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that, but I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It totally made sense. Yeah. And then they felt like they weren't taken seriously as musicians. So they left Opryland and and renamed themselves as Diamond Rio. Well, they were been the, the the Grizzly River Boys, I think, and the Tennessee River Boys, yeah. which yeah, those are like definitely like generic bluegrass band names yeah, for, for Opryland. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But no, I've never been either. Sorry for cutting you off. That's okay. I haven't been before, and I feel like that's something that we need to do. That in Dollywood, <laughs> we yeah. need to take this show on the road. You do. Yeah. Oh my God! Can I come to Dollywood? Come Come on, you. let's bring it. All right, good. Yay. <laughs> we'll start the sign-up list now. We'll oh, my it. God. Yeah, you we can rent, rent a party bus? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh. gosh. Okay, oh. 
Okay, so we're going to do that. Add that to the list of stuff for us to do. This song was, I think, like the third or fourth hit for them. I think it was the third or fourth on that album. For that album. Because it wasn't originally supposed to be a single. And then I think it was the B-side to another track. And Mm -hmm. then ended up being a single because of Radio Play Got Anyway or whatever. That sounds right. I feel like I remember (laughs) reading that. (laughs) Their uh, first hit was Meet in the Middle. Um, Great song. Great song. We haven't talked about that one yet, but that is that has to be on the to-do list. Yeah. I have to confess, I think our listeners have expected a certain level of research from us by now, and I found out last night there is a Diamond Rio book, a biography. I wrote it down! But, Beautiful mess, right, the story which, of Diamond Rio. Which they are kind of a mess as a band, so it makes sense. <laughs> but before we talk about them again, I'll make sure to find that book and track it down, much mm-hmm. like the Shania book. But speaking of books, I was searching for, as a lot of times I do, kind of the story behind the song to see if I could dig up anything on the internet about this and it was referenced in a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul Country Music The Inspirational Stories Behind 101 of Your Favorite Country Songs. I just need that. Which Is that I'm, available at the Wake County it, Library? That is not. There's a lot of Chicken Soup for the Soul books at the Wake County Library. That one's not but there's a lot of previews of it on Google Books which is how I saw that it was referenced with another book and now, or another song and now I can't remember which one it was. Bobby Ann Mason. So it was referenced by the songwriter of that song that mm-hmm. he kind of wanted to have a similar kind of flow or at least sound as Norma Jean Riley, the name. Anyway, this book seems great. I don't know that these are necessarily inspirational stories like it claims because like <laughs> D-I-V-O-R-C-E is in there. So I don't really oh, see how inspirational. an inspirational story <laughs> came to inspire that. I get like, you know, it might be the song was inspired by the story, but not this uh, inspirational story necessarily. And there's kind of a lot of those in there. So I uh, definitely need to get that book as well. Maybe we can start. How do you feel about having like one of those little free libraries in front of your house? That, I'm and it cool would just with be, that. Oh, yeah. It would just be like stories, like autobiographies of all the 90s country stars. Well, and, I'm, I'm actually looking at it on Amazon right now. And if you order it, you also get a special treat within its covers, <gasps> a country soul CD yes. that includes a heartfelt rendition of some of the country's best love performers. So I love that. It's the original. <laughs> They couldn't get the licensing for the original. Right, is this the same one? I don't know. No, that's a different one. I think that's the one where, like, they're just telling stories. Like, Dolly has a story in there. I'm surprised you don't have that one already. I figured you would know. No, I I, don't have that one. I think that's just stories themselves. There's, you know, they weren't holding back on the chicken soup books in the the, the 90s and early 2000s. The design is just Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, we can probably get both by five bucks. Everybody just take a minute and breathe in and think about the font of chicken soup <laughs> and then imagine like some denim just back dropping that and then a guy, a guy well, with a I'm dog. sure I'm sure we'll drop this this picture on the Instagram I so will. yeah um, absolutely so yeah so we'll, good. we'll get into that you to a place before we get off of the chicken <laughs> okay. soup for the soul thing <laughs> before we get off of this tangent let's get this is a good seg back to Diamond Rio and also something that I feel like Spencer would really appreciate do you know what happened in 2010 a lot of things I don't know where you're going with this regarding Diamond Rio and things that you love 
<laughs> they won a Dove Award. <laughs> I was trying to find Dove Award winners that we could talk about on this episode. I should have known Rio. it would have been Diamond Rio. Diamond Rio for their album The Reason that came out in oh, 2010. They received a Dove Award for that and they also received a Grammy for the best Southern Gospel album, which I didn't even realize was a Grammy category. Wow. Of course it is. But apparently it is. Yeah. So, so that was that point in the career like BJ talked about when they hit the, all right, we've got to record a gospel album to kind of revive our career. Yeah. Sort of thing. The revival. Yeah. But um, in terms of songwriting about this, I did find out that Dan Truman was one of the people, apparently they were scouting songs for this record at Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And he and a record label, Zach, had heard someone play this, but it was just called Pretty Little Lady. I'm assuming where Norma Jean Riley was in there. And he just kind of said like, oh, we can put literally any name in there, like Norma Jean Riley, and that's how it happened. Yeah. So, like you were saying, like you could imagine basically anything being sung there. That's hilarious. And that's and what they did. I think that is why the Jean in Norma Jean is turned into a two-syllable word. So we'll play a clip real quick. I wish I had a dog. Seen her in the park with the puppy on a string, looking so cute, baby. Sooner or later we'll meet. Norma Jean Riley's gonna talk. Everybody says, fool, fool, nothing you can do. Never gonna see her with the likes of you. I say, watch and see. All my general gonna do this. You were saying as it was playing that this was billed as like a bluegrass song. Yeah, like some of the reviews I was reading about it, like the reviews at the time were talking about how it was kind of based around bluegrass or inspired by bluegrass, but like I don't hear it at all. Yeah. I know they played, apparently when they were at Opryland, some you know older country and bluegrass stuff, so maybe that kind of led people down that path. But to me, there's way too much kind of southern rock sound of that piano playing and the drums and all that stuff. It just doesn't sound very bluegrassy to me. Yeah. So, Skylar, beforehand, you said that you had never heard this song. Mm-mm. Was it that you just didn't recognize the name? Or <laughs> No, I don't think that I have ever heard it. Really? Yeah, I don't what think did I you, have. What did you think on your first listen? Oh, I love it. I love his voice. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it makes me think about, like, the present day people that sound like that. And I don't listen to as much, like, radio country. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, sounds like Sturgill or Sturgill sounds like him. Yeah. Yeah, you can't tell what he's saying no. at all. Like, I'm a good Southerner. Yeah. I I can understand Southern accents usually, (laughs) but that one's a bit much. One thing I thought was cool about Diamond Rio that I didn't really know until I dug into them. Early on, I was trying to follow, like, the history of the band. They had, like, so many member changes Mm -hmm. from that first start at Opryland. Like, I don't think anyone who recorded on the first album actually made it from that original start. So I think there are, like, nine or ten early members, including uh, Ty Herndon, who kind of did a solo thing in the 90s also. And then since, like, the mid-'80s, they've been basically intact as the same six people. I think the last member joined in the late-'80s. They have basically, in all their albums, been that band because we discovered earlier this week that Diamond Rio is playing in Charlotte Mm -hmm. on March 16th. And I was kind of concerned that it would be this, you know, one member still remains, and we just brought in some, Mm -hmm. you know, young Nashville people to fill Mm -hmm. in or whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's the same dudes, which is kind of awesome and kind of rare that at this point, is over well I guess since the last guy joined it's been 30 years that 
that they've been basically intact, which yeah. is rare. That's Diamond Rio, Norma, Norma Jean O'Reilly, or however he pronounces it. Who's up next? I think Skylar's up next. Skylar. That's right. What did you choose? I chose a song whose name I didn't know. I just always thought it was called Barbecue Stain on the White T-shirt. <laughs> but it's actually called Something Like That by Tim McGraw. This song was, like, on all the time. It's like, I would just, like, sing it with my girlfriends all the time in middle school. And there's, like, so many great lyrics in it about, <laughs> I'm trying to, it's like, she had a, a suntan line and red lipstick. There's, like, all these things in there. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's, like, what it is to be a woman. Yeah. You're just, like, suntan, <laughs> red lipstick. <laughs> That's so, me right the, now. Yeah, it's a very yeah. generic, like... <laughs> just, like, generic. You're just, like... I just remember being in middle school, and you're like, yeah, that's gonna be me. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, like, so many... The lyrics in this song are my favorite part, but also the piano, the, like, little piano lick kind of sounds a little bit like the piano in Norma Jean, o- mm-hmm. Norma Jean O'Reilly <laughs> is what I almost just called it. <laughs> but this song, like, checks off a lot of the, like, country music boxes for me, like, the lyrics. There's, like, Labor Day, talks about Coke talks about Mardi Gras there's suntan there's barbecue there's a railroad tracks mm-hmm. there you know all that stuff gasoline for his truck <laughs> <laughs> just like a lot of, a lot of that stuff she's wearing a mini skirt didn't you text me something about like the, is this the reason that all country music now talks about yes. like girls in short shorts yeah like, I was like this is the beginning of the end of that <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot skirt. Tim McGraw yeah it went from like mini skirts like booty shorts over yeah, like yeah. another 10 years or so. That's true. I skirted at the railroad tracks. I think um, it was Joe from Ipso who sent us, who texted us the article about Shania Twain songwriting. Yes. Was it Robbie Folks that wrote that? And he talked a lot in that story before he got into Shania songwriting about how a lot of country songwriting is just kind of these generic scenarios where you can place yourself in there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, listen to that on the way over again. I was like, this is totally this song. Like, okay. there's very few specifics, like a barbecue stain on his white t-shirt. Like, okay, yeah, that might not be you but like so many of these could other be. things yeah it could, it could be you <laughs> it, could, it be. could be you but like so many of these other things are just like you know he talks about how hard he tried that first kiss but he doesn't say anything specific <laughs> like I tried so hard what'd you do Tim McGraw you didn't say anything you obviously didn't try too hard if you had a freaking barbecue stain on your shirt right exactly and that's when we were texting about this before too I was like you know this song also mentions the county fair as does probably my favorite Tim McGraw song I like it I love it yeah, but in yeah. that song he spends $48 and throwed out his arm when her that teddy bear because it's definitely how he says it and it's like so he went from that to having a white t-shirt with a barbecue stay over like four years like he really he hasn't grown up much yeah he regressed I mean I think the $48 working on a teddy bear and throwed out his arm for shoulder the shoulder a shoulder yeah his shoulder damn I feel terrible for that you mistake should. I should I'm going to have to be removed from this podcast I mean I'm suspending for a while but yeah the, like I don't know what what he tried in this but some specific would be nice. It's just such a generic song, but I well, can't... Well, let's, let's I get... think Barbecue Stain, I mean, is pretty specific. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is always what stuck out to... I mean, yes, you're yeah, right. That... There's nothing like... It doesn't quite add up that, like, he, you know, what he's, like, looking like, and then, like, the fact that he worked hard for that kiss, whatever yeah. that means. There's just not much of, like, an actual story to this. It's just, like, generic things. Like, yeah. it's, like, well, basically two verses, that and... I think that that's one of the hallmarks of 90s country music, yes. is 
that there are so many of these songs that are so generically, I mean, it applies to anybody, especially yeah. if you are living in the South or any part in the rural part of the United States. You're going pretty hard on Tim McGraw here, and I just want to point <laughs> out that he did not write this song. Oh, I know that. I know that. So we can't completely blame him on his regression. He just, you know, chose the wrong order to release these songs. <laughs> I will say this, speaking of, I don't know if you were getting to the songwriters, but a couple things I discovered. So one of the guys, Keith Felici, I think is how you say his last Uh name. He had like a string of late 90s, early 2000s number ones, The Way You Love Me by Faith Hill. Oh. Yeah. Smile by Lone Star. I Love You by Martina McBride. But probably most importantly, he fathered the singer and the drummer from the band Hot Show Ray. So, you know, that was his real legacy on. Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Which apparently one of those guys has like gone country now which of course he did back but then roots, yeah yes. back to his roots but then the other songwriter rick farrell or farrell i watched a video interview with him and he was talking about how the label didn't want this to be a single but tim mcgraw was like yeah this definitely needs to be a single Good. so he kind of like went behind their back and apparently faith hill was on an award show and she was like and now tim has a surprise for you guys it came out played the song and they're like kind of forced into this oh. being a single then and yeah yeah like awesome move and then it was the most played radio song of any genre in the 2000s 2000s. yeah which is crazy 487,000 plays between January of 2000 and December of 2009 yeah that I mean whenever you were saying I remember remember listening to this on the radio with my friends and it's like yeah because it was it was on all the time (laughs) all the time yeah it's like I never went out and bought this I never it wasn't Spotify it right. wasn't like but I was I knew it like well, front to back and this is one of those songs where we talked about like pre-internet days did you ever have that experience where you were looking for a song but it was something like something like this where the title is not really obvious because yeah. you were looking yeah. for a barbecue stain by Tim McGraw yeah. and you're like where the hell do I buy that song Google. and you're just like well that's not it I don't know what this song is but it's, <laughs> well, it's not barbecue would, stain you can find it on Napster with the inappropriate name but it right. had a it's, virus attached to it yeah, yeah. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah, that was early Napster if it was 99, so. <laughs> Talking about, like, how many plays this got, you know, not only did it reach number one on the country list, but it actually got all the way up to number 28 just on regular Billboard. Whoa. So this was this was a crossover hit, so it wasn't just on country radio. It was, yeah. on, it was all over the place. Yeah, which is, I mean, now it sounds very country, but I could also see how it doesn't sound like how it could have been a yeah. crossover at that time. Do we want to listen to a clip? Sorry, Spencer. No, we can play it. Then I have more thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts on the song. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everybody. They're not all bad. Okay. Love to talk about it. Let's listen to it. Headed down to New Orleans to meet some friends of mine for Mardi Gras. When I heard a voice from the past coming from a few rows back, and when I looked, I couldn't believe just what I saw. I bet you don't remember me And I said, only every other memory I had a barbecue stain on my white t-shirt You were killing me in 
that mini skirt. I don't know. I feel like the whole story about him being on a plane to Mardi Gras just is kind of creepy. That sounds like an outlier. Like yeah. it doesn't. I don't even remember that actually. Like thinking about it, I never remembered that part about the song. Uh huh. Rachel just the, wanted the another verse. excuse to talk about New Orleans again. I feel like that's come up so many times. The, <laughs> the underlying just, theme of this podcast. I just need to live there. Yeah. Okay, so I was I was kind of talking shit earlier, but that melody, yeah. that hook, no, <laughs> like that's why I got half a million plays. Like and it crossed over. It doesn't sound like the song itself. I think the lyrics sound country, but the rest of it to me, there's nothing that really sticks out as like there's not really like steel guitar or a fiddle or yeah. anything like that. Like if you tweak the arrangement a little bit, it could be you know mm-hmm. any genre almost. Mm-hmm. But like that hook is just one of those things where it's like yeah, maybe I don't love the song, but like it's gonna be in my head regardless. Forever, and yeah. So, Forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like one of my friends, Cameron, she texted me the other day asked because we, we were talking about body like a back road on here a couple weeks ago and how that song yes. kind of sticks in your head even though it's terrible and was talking about the song <laughs> Dirt on My Boots which is a modern country song kind of being in that vein and then later she posted a thread on Facebook like what was a song that you hated so much that then your hate circled all the way around to you ironically liking it like legit- legitimately loving it in the end Yeah. which for me obviously my answer was mean by Taylor Swift because I made fun of that so much and I was like damn it I kind of like that, that song. yeah it was like yeah. ah, that sounds so stupid I was like shit I actually like that a lot just really undeniably yeah, catchy. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like this is one of those songs that maybe it doesn't circle around to like loving it, but I can't imagine there's a lot of people out there that can like deny that hook. It's like mm-hmm. so damn catchy. Yeah. And you might not ever ask for it to be played, but if you hear it somewhere, <laughs> you're probably going to sing along to it. Yeah. Like almost yeah. no matter who you are. So that's how I feel like it gets half a million plays because no matter what else about that song, that chorus just like, yep, I can sing along to that. Well, it's kind of the same vibe that the song that Phil did last week with was Travis Tritt's A Great Day to Be Alive. Like, it's the same thing yeah. that it just is so sing-alongable and... Sing-alongable. Is that a word? I just made it up. No, it is a word. <laughs> oh, were you gonna... You said you said you had other thoughts. Anything else? No, I, I mean, I just don't think it sounds super country, but our next song is super country. Mm-hmm. So that was one of my thoughts. Go well, for yeah. it. Go for it. We're there. Our, our next song, the one I picked was Blue by Leanne Rhymes, which came out in 96. And to me, it was one of those things where I grew up, you know, watching a lot of daytime TV with my grandparents. And so I would see those like time life hits of golden country compilations being advertised. And like, just when you hear the star of the song, that's exactly what made me think of. It's like, oh, this will be one of those songs where like that beginning and she's just belting it out. That's like instantly memorable, Mm -hmm. like that classic sound. That's kind of the thought I had with that one that made me think of it. And yeah, and there's the whole kind of not really true origin story of this being for Patsy Cline, which it never right. was apparently. Mm. So Bill Mack wrote it in the mid 50s and released it in 1958. His version, it, it just sounds almost like a throwaway song when you listen yeah. to his version. Mm. But I mean, I can I can imagine Patsy Cline singing, singing this song. Right. And it being badass. Yeah, it's totally. definitely, it's one of those songs that's like, it's all about the vocalist. Yeah, totally. Because totally. it was recorded like four or five times before Leanne Rhymes did it by, you know, some female singers and some male singers and just like never really got any traction. Eventually what happened was Leanne Rhymes' manager kind of showed the song to her dad and... Because she was like a baby when she recorded she it. Was the so, first time... She, was she four, How the, old was she? She was young. The first time I think she was 11 that she <gasps> recorded for her 
debut album that wasn't the blue yeah. album oh my god i haven't been able to find that album all that but it has an amazing cover like all that like all that remember the cover? yeah i think it was before the nickelodeon show did you hear that they're bringing it back i, I did. did hear that <laughs> so excited oh so. wow yes. that album cover oh yes. my god oh god that's so good yeah that's yeah that's another thing okay to be, we're like, putting that on find, instagram <laughs> that, like, find that the like big bangs and like the high half ponytail right like Yes, yes. All the glitter. Country. But, but yeah, then she recorded again when she was 13. That's the one that okay. that went 13. big. Yeah, I know. So barely any older. But her dad originally was like, this isn't really a good fit for her. And it's too adult because of like the love it part. Yeah. Which it is. And the video is a little inappropriate given her age, I, I would say. I remember the video. So you said you don't remember? I don't remember the video. We'll have, to, we'll have to watch that during the break. But then Leanne disagreed and, you know, added that kind of like yodel part in there and the manager was like yeah when she put that that kind of brought to mm-hmm. another level but even she said the first time she heard it you know the demo she was like that just sounds really old-fashioned yeah so it did kind of end up song you know it got her compared to patsy klein even though she never did the song mm-hmm. i read a lot of different versions of the story from the songwriter that basically i think boiled down to patsy klein heard it at one point and was like maybe considering recording but then died before mm-hmm. that ever came to fruition and so it kind of was just in hibernation until she picked it up yeah but one thing i didn't realize is it didn't even chart that highly in terms of country songs. It was number 10 in the country charts and number 26 on the Hot 100, which was shocking to me because I thought it'd be like, you know, number one country song, maybe do something on the, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe crossover, but like it's so damn country sounding that that surprised me a lot that it didn't. Were the album sales really high? Uh, I think it went gold. Mm. When she won the Grammy that year for this this one. Yeah, I, I just just remember it being a lot bigger than it was and maybe it's because we were like basically the same age and I was like there's this mm. you know girl who's on the radio singing and yeah that's that's the thing that I remember about it is not so much the song itself I mean I remember the song but I remember being more amazed by the fact that there was somebody my age mm-hmm. that was on the radio and that she sounded like a grown up yeah. oh yeah absolutely that's the thing is if you didn't know it just sounded like she was yeah it sounded like it was someone they unearthed from, yeah. you know, they unearthed this recording from decades ago of this grown ass totally woman. Magic. Totally, yeah. yeah. Do we want to listen to it? Yeah, sure. So we just uh, watched the whole video, and I'm on the fence still about how exactly inappropriate it seems until you realize that she's 14 Mm -hmm. then. Mm. And they're, I mean, maybe not in the age of Shania coming up. She's not, like, scantily clad or anything, but it is definitely trying to kind of play her up as a grown woman, I feel like, when she's not there. She looks looks like an adult. I mean, it... Make her look like an adult. Kind of when it started, you know, she's, like, pretty covered up at the swimming pool and all that, and I was like, well, Sandlot, Wendy Peppercorn was doing the same, like, old-school 50s look, and that was around the same time, so maybe not that bad, but then... It kind of progressively, like, the situations they kept placing her in were, 
adult situations will be the TV warning for that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just hearing that song, I ha- actually hadn't listened to that song in a really long time. And unfortunately, it just made me think of the yodeling Walmart kid. Why is that? <laughs> oh, yes. Why is Mason Ramsey unfortunate? That is awesome. I mean, it's just Amazing. a strange, I don't know. I'd... I want to see him so bad. Okay. Well, we'll add that he's, to our He's list. playing some festival. I saw, um, I think maybe in Tennessee, shockingly. I mean, so, but when was awesome. he born? He wouldn't know anything Yesterday. about 90s country music. <laughs> we couldn't have him on as a guest. Um, we would find you a way. You never know. Yeah. I feel it's like he in, probably... It's in his bones and his blood, clearly. Obviously. I, I feel like he probably grew up with no internet and only, Aww. you know, tapes. Bless his heart. So, she was the youngest Grammy winner individual mm-hmm. award Grammy winner for this song Best Female Country Vocalist in 97 won three ACM awards that year or 96 also uh, won a lot of awards again I think she that's she also won a Dove Award for, not for this not for this that would be in 2008 <laughs> you're the you're doing I've tricked you into doing a Dove Award research for me now which I love now you're just digging those up on your own they're finding you instead I also found out kind of about the, I guess not really the origins of the song, but how she did her thing to it. She responded in a tweet to someone a few years ago about the lyrics where the original lyrics, or at least I don't even think they were in the original version, but somewhere along the way, the lyrics were those sweet words you whisper were nothing but lies. And then she actually sang those weak words you whispered, which I think is cooler because it's kind of like undermining those things. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole song is about like the guy was acting like he was in love, isn't it really yeah. all that stuff. And it's kind of of like undercutting what he said instead of like still giving those words value as sweet words it's like no nah, they were weak nah that was weak man yeah so I thought that was kind of cool whether she did that intentionally as a 11 to 13 year old I'm not really sure or whether she is kind of just saying what she's saying lyric. yeah well I hope she mm. would be able to read it I hope her reading level was that good but um <laughs> But, but Surely. <laughs> she ended up re-recording this song in 2011 for this album called Lady and Gentleman. Uh, the band The Time Jumpers was on this track. It was more of kind of like a Western swing thing, which is what they play. And they've backed, I think it's Vince Gill a good mm. bit. Am I making that up? While you're That's looking nice. that up, the first single from that album, The Lady and Gentleman, was a cover of John oh, yeah. Anderson. Oh yeah, swinging. I was getting to that. Her cover of Swingin' <laughs> is not good. The John Anderson version to me sounds a lot like a like alternate universe the band like with the horns they kind of that loose ragged feel that's what I love about that song and hers doesn't have that so Mm -hmm. to me it's just like but her re-recording of Blue you can tell like her voice is like you know a lot more experienced and mature and like sounds technically better but to me it's just like just doesn't have it just doesn't like like timeless sound that like when you heard the original kickoff like oh yeah that's that's it like this sounds like classic Mm -hmm. So I, y'all can listen to your, for yourselves to the Time Jumpers version or the version with the Time Jumpers. I didn't exactly love it, but then that ended up going down a YouTube rabbit hole. Oh, listen to Swingin', <laughs> listen to her live cover of Purple Rain, which was very interesting. And then I watched a little bit of you know sometimes I, I wonder you know things like oh is this podcast like are we using our time well things like that and then I stumble along a thirty minute YouTube video of like the satanic nature of Leanne Rhymes videos. Oh, whoa. Didn't I text you guys about this one? No. 
Okay, well, oops. Do share. Um, so, yeah, it was something. It had like 50-some views. I didn't watch the whole thing, unfortunately, but I watched way too much of it. And it was talking about... Are you in a cult now? I, I'm probably on a list. <laughs> it talked about her song Commitment and the music video for it and all the imagery that was like Ooh. Masonic or Satanic. And I think my favorite part of it was the guy reads a Bible verse that somehow connects like dirt and dust to being anti-Jesus. Interesting. And then he starts pulling up shockingly. There's a lot of country music videos that involve dirt or dust on, you know, car tires or boots. So he's like, anti-Jesus, anti-Jesus, Jesus deniers, like as he's scrolling through these screenshots. Oh, so just country music in general is anti-Jesus. But especially Leanne Rhymes. But especially Leanne. Right. Despite all the devil words that these people have won. Is Tim McGraw also anti-Jesus? So the best part was he's going through all of these. (laughs) Probably. Yes, he is. I'm getting that. So the best I'm part is he's, he's going through. <laughs> that's what I'm getting to. You know that's going to happen. Uh, she, he's going through all of these screenshots from different videos, like anti-Jesus, Jesus deniers, and then there's a Tim McGraw video, and I can't remember what Bring song it, it is. Together, but it's like showing like different kind of global people, you know, like a unite the world kind of yeah. video. And there's a shot from the a Holy Festival in India, or presumably it's in India, uh-huh. and it's not as colorful as like we would usually see it. it looks more like dirt and I don't know if that's what they were using and so he's like Jesus deniers I'm like well they're Hindu dude like you're <laughs> yeah, not you're not there's not a Jesus. conspiracy theory you're busting open here like Jesus oh these, these Hindu people at this <laughs> festival for their religion are not Christian like shocking wow. like have you read anything bless ever heart. yeah bless he definitely heart. got a bless his you heart for that you just gave him way too much press yeah and I spent way I mean I even like knew- the 10 minutes I spent was too much time on it I think it new segment of Neon Boots podcast should be the bless your heart segment. <laughs> yeah. Where you get a bless your heart. <laughs> Fortunately, I ended up zigzagging from there into the 2009 Lifetime movie she co-starred in. Yeah. Which ended... Skylar's seeing the, yeah. the cover art right now. This, I, she ended a marriage and got up with... I think that she met her current husband on this movie. Wait, she well, ended a real life marriage or in the his movie? marriage and maybe also her marriage I can't remember oh. she was married to her backup dancer she was which is you know like Brittany <laughs> oh man what was Brittany Kevin Kevin what, what was this Federline Federline Come on, y'all. We all hey Fed we're all even alive in the 90s and early 2000s like <laughs> how do I know that and y'all I'm really disappointed you know. <laughs> well we'll say that Skylar's drunk and I'm pregnant so that's our <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally wasted yeah, yeah. One of those is accurate. Totally. <laughs> Wasted at noon on a Saturday. Yeah. Oh, no judgment on that. But yeah, so she was in this Lifetime movie. No judgment I, I watched... on being pregnant or being drunk. Well, either one. <laughs> yeah, this, so this movie was based on Nora Roberts' novel, which was great. Oh, wait, she's... which one? I didn't see what movie you were talking oh, about. Oh, sorry. Northern Light is the name of it. I probably read that one. Oh, well, something about she was in Alaska and this like detective shows up and investigates her dad's murder yeah. and all this stuff. And I didn't get that far. Nora Roberts is some good trash. It was hopefully there's some Nora Roberts in a chicken soup book. 
Oh, I feel like Ooh. she probably ghost wrote a lot of like, <laughs> but yeah, so th- it was pretty, it was like any other Lifetime movie except every now and then like, oh, I recognize her. And then there was like some awkward line in the beginning where she says something, the guy's like, huh, sounds like a country song. And it's like a pause, like a wink nod at the camera kind of moment. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah. So then that was pretty much Dude. done at that point. But yeah, she's been in some, uh, some made for TV rom-com with Burt Reynolds. Not as a couple. He was her dad, I believe. Thank that. Does she have an autobiography? Not. I was shocked that she didn't, but I have not seen one. Although I think oh, she wrote some books that were fiction. I think one might have been a kid's book, actually. Nora Roberts wrote Chicken Soup for the Romantic Soul. I knew she was there responsible for goes. something. I knew she was responsible for Thank something. Thank you, Google. Oh, man. She's had two novels and two children's books. That's Leanne Rhymes, not, <sighs> not, uh, not Nora, Nora Roberts. Roberts. <laughs> Nora Roberts had one billion. <laughs> so she's a multimedia empire, basically. Yeah. Get it, Leanne. like a country Oprah, maybe. Can we call her that? Uh, Leanne? Yeah. I don't know. Would people want Leanne to run for president the way that they do Oprah? Probably not. Oh, also, man. would Leanne Rhymes just give me a car? Doesn't get seem a car. like it. No, I doubt Doesn't it. Doesn't seem like Leanne's no. giving anybody a car. No. Maybe no. she's like Oprah Jr. She'd yeah, she's give been, her a little she's, while. She's still like only in her mid thirties. You know, she's been in the public spotlight oh for like twenty some yeah, years. Leanne, and we're she, ready for your next career. <laughs> yeah, so she still can reinvent herself. She's thirty six right now. It's true. She well. When you go into, when you're like a child star like that, I'm sure that she's had to figure out about figuring out like what it is that she does actually want to do, which would be different from Oprah, who Oprah set out to do a thing, you know, and had had a purpose and followed her purpose. Whereas like, I bet a lot of Leanne's life has been like figuring out where to go with who she is. I think that that just childhood star thing. Totally. Just kind of messes up your... Can I say the F word? Yeah. Mind fuck. <laughs> it totally is. As long well, as I mean, Rachel's not saying it, her mom gets upset. I, my mom yells at me if I Sorry, say Sorry, Rachel's mom. And my mom gets upset with political directions, so Oprah for president is not very political, though. That's all right. I feel like that's safe. Yeah, that's a, that's a safe Most one. people can agree on that. Yeah. Most people can Most agree, people on agree on that. Oprah for But are you saying Mason Ramsey is doomed because he's a child star? Is that Probably. what that little, that little sweet guy? Yeah. Because didn't he go to, like, Coachella or something? Yes. Oh, didn't he perform yeah. at Coachella? You're saying that, like, shocked, but yeah. Yes, hell yeah, he's probably one of the best acts there. But no, but imagine what he was exposed to at Coachella at his age. I feel like he has like handlers. Like it doesn't. It wasn't he raised like his grandparents. Had handlers too. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, of course it's going to be different because he's a boy and Leanne Rams was a girl. Is a girl, and so there's like a a lovely lady. So I'm sure that there's going to be a difference in their experience as a child star. Mm. But then even like he is so. Uh, social media and stuff like he's so much more in the I mean that's how he became famous mm-hmm. was a freaking YouTube video of him yodeling at a Walmart yeah, which is the American dream it is but it's also a different path because like Leanne Rimes became famous because she that was her path that she wanted to go down he was just like discovered I think randomly he, I think he like had ambitions like I don't think you just start seeing it you start yodeling in a Walmart out of the blue yeah. and you know just happen to end up going I mean, the video going viral, I don't think it was on purpose, but I don't think you just yodel in a Walmart on 
a normal Saturday afternoon or whatever, and just like, oh, I we'll mean, see what happens. Spencer, <laughs> how often have you been in Walmart? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I will say that sounds like a damn country song. Like seeing this guy, that's what Tim McGraw was missing. Like seeing that girl yelling in a Walmart, and like that's how he fell in love. <laughs> that's really how. Yeah, that's in love. the beginning of a country song right there. Is he was in Walmart to get a new T-shirt because he spilled barbecue on his original yeah. one. Well, maybe that's what he was doing when he said, "I worked real hard for that first kiss." But I bought a new tee. I changed clothes for he you. He had to go all the way to, went Walmart to Walmart and get a new shirt. Wow, what a guy. Chivalry is not dead. <laughs> or at least it wasn't in the 90s. Yeah, 99. Yeah. That was the last stand for chivalry right there. Thank you, Tim McGraw. Oh, man. Uh, anything else about Leanne Rhymes? We didn't go a deep dive into her past or history. We're going to have to find a good book about her um, and let Spencer read it and then <laughs> report back the way that you did for Shania Twain. Spencer's, Spencer's Book Club. Spencer's Book Club. Yeah. This and the next one to, long time. Spencer's yeah. Book Club. The next one to be had to list is definitely the Chicken Soup <laughs> for the Soul Country Music Songs yeah. Edition. So Optional additional reading. Nora and, the, and then the Diamond Rio version. Or the Diamond uh, Rio Yeah, book. we've got to wait until we have another Diamond Rio song. Yeah. I can only read so much. Okay. Yeah, you guys, you and Allison gave me a, a reading you assignment. You still haven't read Midnight in the Garden well, of Good and Evil. I don't oh, imagine you... that coming. I, I'm purely reading for podcast reasons these days. I hope you know that. My leisure <laughs> reading time is dedicated to things that we can talk about on here. So I hope there's no actual good books coming out in 2019 because I'm not no, going to read them. I'm not going to read them either. They're I'm, all just, t- I'm going to read Wikipedia for all of the 90s country stars. Right. Okay, so Skylar, do you have anything cool coming up that you want to share with the world? I have a show March 1st with the Dead Tongues yes. in Raleigh at King's. It's just us two bands. It's going to be really fun. And then I have a record that's going to be coming out later this year. There's a single I put out really recently called Clay Nice, and you can check that out on Spotify. That's on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Sweet. We'll put a link to that. Do you and Dead Tongues have any... Y'all should, like, collaborate on a 90s country cover. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Uh-huh. There's still... Yeah, you never know. I would love to hear Ryan singing some 90s country. <laughs> it would oh, sound, my God, I would love that. It would sound so much more serious than... I know. ...any 90s country song has ever sounded. That's it true. Yeah, it had, it had to be the right song. Yeah. Okay. I know. Now, now I'm like, yeah, I wanna, I'm thinking about what that would be. Well, we, we used to cover... Uh, Whiskey Girl, when I had that band, The Ugly Girls. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was 90s country. That might have been like early 2000s. I don't know. Spencer likes to group them all together. I tend to be a stickler for the rules. So. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a blurry <laughs> line there. But I meant to ask this when we were talking about Blue and like her, I guess, temptation to release a new version of it. Because she also did a live version of it that was listed as reimagined, you know, when she did it in, I think, the late 2000s. In my experience, I feel like the re-recordings of songs, it's always kind of like an iffy prospect. Mm, and like, maybe yeah. it's because I don't understand as much from an artist's perspective, but more a listener perspective, mm. where I I feel like they're not usually as good as the original, which is kind of like they're missing that original magic. They might have, you know, better recording equipment, you know, like in her case, her I, voice I is more mature. I think if you're going to do something like that, it has to be something that's pretty distinctly different. You know, it, it really has to be like a reimagined thing or the original can't have, have achieved the success of like mm. Blue. Like yeah. If you want to take one of her other songs from that album that maybe didn't crack the top 10 on country music, then yeah, that would be a cool way to like 
reimagine or redo some of your old stuff. Yeah. I think it's tricky. The jaded part of me is like, well, maybe it could be like a purely business move, Mm -hmm. like trying to like sell a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then the other part of me is like, well, maybe it is something that she did specifically for her because probably when she did record that, not to take any like agency away from, you know, her performance there, but I'm sure that there were a lot of factors playing into the things that were going on. She was only 13 years old. So I can imagine her now having this whole lifetime of relating to the song and singing it, feeling like maybe she could sing it in a different way now and wanting to just express that and yeah. put it out there. So it was almost more for herself than Maybe, yeah. I want to believe that. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Has that ever been the case for you where you were like, oh, I have this song and just didn't turn out how I wanted to or now I'm playing it like in this new way and I would love to kind of revisit it or is it just, are you just, it is what it is? I and- could see, I only have gotten to the point of like completely re-recording something but there's definitely songs that were recorded shortly after they were written that after having toured them and played them I'm like oh I f- they feel different now right, right. Mm-hmm. they're a different thing and I guess that's part of like what a live album is about yeah but I mean, I'm somebody who I'd rather listen to the original version of a song that I sure. love. I'm not going to go looking for like the reimagined version right, right, of it right. unless it's super special. Yeah. I think that's one of the tricky things about either falling in love with an album version and then seeing the band for the first time mm-hmm. and being disappointed. Totally. Sometimes, or being like completely in awe because the live version is like mm-hmm. so much more. Um, and then I never want to listen to the album version again because I've gotten spoiled by the live version. Well, we did talk about uh, Did I Shave My Legs for this and how that live version she was doing on on TV and award shows and stuff was different and I wish there was a a version of that. Yeah. Because the the live version that she did is much more like upbeat and much more like angry almost and like why why the fuck did I shave my legs? Yeah. yeah, As as opposed to like the album version is kind of like oh dang I wasted my time. Right. Right. And that anger you're like I want to record again. I want the anger angry version please but you're right I mean I I guess I have to walk back what I said a little bit because when you talk about the version being pretty different I was thinking about the Broken Social Scene song Lover Spit which was on yes I love that song the original or the Feist version the redo I love the version that Rook Grubbs from Von Eyed I don't know if you know that band Uh used to cover that song in like a living room in Carborough and that's the version of the song (laughs) I love and it doesn't exist just in my memory but that's the one where, like, which version I heard first, I'm not sure. But, like, her version's, like, slowed down and piano-based and all that. And it's a female vocal versus a male vocal. And that's one where it's very different. So I was like, okay, they're doing two totally right. different things with the song. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can I can, I can, can get into that. Weird nice. note to end this episode on. But. <laughs> that's okay. We're, we, we're going to log off here cool. and go listen to the uh, lady well, and gentleman version of Swingin'. We're going to log off. Are we on name right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Signing off. Away message. You've been watching Dion too much. Boots 99. Yeah, you've been watching too much Pin 15 these days. I can't watch like, that show. Oh, man. It hits. It I hits don't, home. It hits too close to home. And Spencer, I know that you love it, but you also were a boy. I was a boy, yes. <laughs> Thank you for the insight. You were a boy then, and this is all about <laughs> this is all about girl experiences, and it's very...
very. It's too too it's close to home. Too, I haven't watched oh, it. Oh, it's too hard. It's very tough. Yeah, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. I can't watch because, something too close to home like that. Well, it's like okay, I've already lived this once. <laughs> Why would I want to repeat this again? Ten fifteen yeah. on Netflix. Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. What oh yeah, getting? you're right. Hulu. Yeah. Sorry, I got it wrong. Been Sorry. watching Shit's Creek on Netflix. Ooh, yeah, good call. I mean on Amazon. Netflix. Wait, where is that? Wow, we are where? never, <laughs> we are never gonna get sponsored by a streaming service if you keep shouting out. Wait, we're gonna be sponsored by all of them. By all of them. <laughs> um, Spencer, you didn't mention Bojangles once today. I did not mention Bojangles once. I'm kind of. <laughs> Feel a little bit resigned. Bojang was his. It's like you know when you keep sending the love letters and there's no response. Unrequited love. We just love. keep love. shouting out Bojangles and there's just no response. So you know, and I hate to admit it on air, but I didn't even get Bojangles this morning. Oh. I had a granola bar for breakfast. Rude. Yeah, so a little bit heartbroken right now. Uh, hopefully that didn't come through in the episode. Didn't sound too <laughs> you know, forlorn, but it sounded super down the hole. Is yeah. that why you chose blue? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm I'm lonesome without angles. you. You being Bojangles. <laughs> that's the I'm gonna have my reimagined version of it. Well, that's a great. That's a much better point to end on. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for listening, and thank you, Skylar, for joining thank us. Thank you today. so much for having yeah, me. Thanks for being Yay. here. And we'll Love see y'all at Kings on March first. Bye. Bye, mom. Dolly Parton for president. <laughs> <laughs> she'll boom me, she'll boom you. She's got the